Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Paula Price Show, where you can experience scripturally organic, culturally unmodified teaching, get answers to your questions, and receive powerful prayer from your host, Dr. Paula Price, author of the Prophet's Dictionary. Tune in now and get ready for an exciting time of encouragement and transformation. Welcome your host, Dr. Paula Price. I had waited for today. I'm excited. It is Thursday here in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and we're having a great time bringing you the show of the week. Last night, Prophet Ashley, we had an amazing experience. We were on with Larry uh, Robinson, Larry W. Robinson on his show, and we had a blast. We talked about the prophetic. We got a few questions uh, answered, etc., and it was wonderful. So, he had, I, I'm sure he had a blast too. And so this week, um, you know, this month, actually, have you noticed God is really pushing forward with getting our brand of prophetic out there? Have you noticed that? Oh, yeah. It's time. The world is ready. Because sometimes we don't think about the message we have, the world needs to be ready for it. That's a word. That is a word. And so, we, because we often think, well, I'm ready, but God is like, but I need people to get ready for you. That is why it's public ministry and not private devotions. But before we get into today, don't you have something to share? We have something coming up soon, and then you're posting uh, something on our site. You're finishing up. Well, in June, we have our Tulsa Prophetic Training Institute here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Yes. Oh, man. And every year, it gets better and better. And everybody says, no, this is the best one. <laughs> this, this is the best one. This is it, I'm sure. And um, and so June 21st through the 24th in Tulsa, Oklahoma, the Crown Plaza Hotel across the street from Old Roberts University is where we will be having this year's event. That seems to be our stronghold for Yes, yes. We are such, they're gracious people, and we've been with them for years, and they're just so uh, accommodating, you know, and it's a good place. And how about the renovations? Yeah, oh, yeah, the renovations, it literally looks like a different hotel downstairs. Mm-hmm, it does. And we think, too, because so much prayer has gone up in that <laughs> property and over that property for so many years. The land's blessed. God can move in and out very easily and through the place, and um, we don't have any real issues there, so it is wonderful, and you will be teaching, we will be teaching, prophets will be learning, yes. and not just feeling yes. the presence of God, but learning the different dynamics and dimensions of the prophetic, the role, the different roles of the prophet, how God works with the prophet, prophets and culture. Oh, I love that one. Yeah. Prophets and culture. Yeah. Or are we talking about prophets in culture? Yeah. I know. That's Maybe gonna... most, most might be addressed there. <laughs> <laughs> and so, but to understand how that works, we're going to, as a matter of fact, a, a little bit later, we're going to address just that, profits and culture versus profits in culture. We're going to address that because I absolutely snagged my daughter. And she, you know, and I were talking and I would love you to kick in because she was talking about profits and culture, um, Ashley, from you all's degree. Uh-huh. Because you have a degree in 
Why are you shifting your life on someone that you don't know the credentials of? You don't know their background. You don't know their studies. You don't know their training. You don't even know their life. For example, if you're with a prophet that is in immoral situations, there are a lot of prophets out there that are, are dating, that have, that are, are, are living with people that are um, having, you know, um, uh, what do you call it, sexual relationships all day long, prophets that are pulling in prostitutes. When you pull in a prostitute, you pull in all of the powers that has kept her in business or him in business. So you're pulling them in. And God says that I need to speak to this because you need to understand what's going on. And so, and God said that um, sex, sexual sin or Fornication is the only sin you take into the body. And I am persuaded that he didn't just mean physical body. I'm persuaded he meant the soul because he says out of the heart comes lies and thefts, etc. All of those things are part of the makeup, but the result, the penalties of sexual immorality, you bring into your soul, which is why we talk about a soul tie. Now, so now you have this prophet who stands up and prophesies to you and then goes back to the hotel to uh, have a whole night of fornication with, uh, and other whatever else with, some, with a prostitute or with a girlfriend. It doesn't matter. So do you really think that if a teenager has a boyfriend and suddenly begins to act like that boy, that you having all of these sexual relations with these other people is not going to bring their spirits into you? Because if it is a, 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 a conduit for the soul, you need to recognize that that prostitute and everything that prostitute has had didn't just enter your body, but all of the sentiments and all of those hormonal influences that end up making, you know, you behave differently come at the same time. So it's coming out of her spirit, it's coming out of her soul, and it's coming out of her body. And so you've got now, you've got these prophets, and you don't know that. You don't know their life. You don't know their nightlife, as I like to say. What is your prophet's nightlife? Because that speaks a lot to whether or not you're being talked talk to by the spirit of Christ or the spirit of that woman. For example, Solomon lost it because of what? The spirits of those women. So I said to her, you're standing in line with these prophets, and you don't know how they live. And then you don't know if they're following someone like that. Saul's entire staff became infected when Saul was infected. It's very important that you know that. So you're putting your life on hold. You're making decisions. You're doing all of that, and you don't know the uh, integrity or the authenticity or the purity of that messenger. Now, if we took that messenger out of human form, Ashley, and we put it in a device, you know, your, your smartphone or whatever, you would end up with a messed up transmission. You would. I mean, if you turn around and there's something wrong with your device, I just bought a brand new laptop that is crazy as a loom, and, I, and I'm, 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 I'm just so upset about it, but it can't deliver. And it can't deliver because it's infected with too many other things. And so you don't, there might be a, a time that, that that transmission is fine, and then you have this other piece that's garbled, or this piece is broken, or this one a character has changed, or this one something else is altered, and it'll keep flowing until eventually it contaminates that transmission channel or flow of that device. Well, we are God's devices. We are his handiwork created in Christ Jesus for good works that 
we may walk in them. Now, that's what he tells us. And yet, you're standing here not caring how that prophet lives their life who they talk to. You don't go online and check their messages. You can do that today. If they can go online and and pick up prophecies, you can go online and pick up some information on them. So I think that as we go forward, you know, uh, social media and the technological boom, the information age has obliterated a lot of things that were impossible before, you know, and you had to wait a long time for somebody to come in town or wait for a letter or whatever. Now, in an instant, you can find out. And so I said to her, what you want to do is if it's a public thing, you don't have to act ugly. I'm never in favor of acting ugly in public just because. I'm never going to be in favor of that. But you can, before you hang your faith on that word, investigate the messenger. And, and so I think that today, you know, a lot of messengers have, uh, because they have bought into culture, they have bought into the liberty of culture and, the, and their indifference to holiness. They bought into the indifference to holiness, their indifference to integrity. And that indifference has caused them to be very dismissive of the Holy Spirit and the righteousness of God. With that problem comes false prophecy because you don't know who's talking. They don't know. We talk about this with our assessment, don't we, Ashley? The, one of the things we see all the time that comes up in prophets in our assessment results is what? Need for spiritual purity. Now, as one of my advisors explains that. Well, the need for spiritual purity, when you break that down, um, shows how this, the prophet has been, I would say, infected, <laughs> therefore affected, by other influences of other spiritual natures in their life. It also depicts their susceptibility to false prophetics, their susceptibility mm-hmm. to heretical teaching. Not, it doesn't even necessarily speak to intent, mm-hmm. but it speaks to strong potential, and that being their greatest threat, mm-hmm. what is their need for spiritual purity, and it shows up. And I tell you what, even sometimes when you hear people talk, you'll know that it'll show up, and it can come from just watching too, uh, too much of the wrong type of show, the wrong type of music, sometimes the work environment that you live in. If a prophet does not have a strong hedge, mm-hmm. many prophets do not know how easily influenced this way they are. Reading too many articles, uh, you know, listening to too many other different, even religious lines of thinking mm-hmm. can subtly and trickle in to that and affect their effect. And the key of that, the key to need for spiritual purity is that that, that messenger, that divine communicator, cannot tell the difference between the spirit of Christ and any other spirit, because they're operating on sound and sight. Is that the one that talks about them being um, led more toward carnal? The carnal, carnal prophetic. prophetic carnal exactly. Okay. Because that's the part that's important. And why am I saying it? Because you don't recognize, for example, when you, when you know, it came up again. How, I mean, obviously, that was a blow to the prophetic. This election was a blow to the prophetic. It, came, it comes up. I don't care. But, but she, everybody keeps bringing it up. I can't even sidestep it if I want. So how did they get it wrong? Because people are saying, I've got credible, quote, unquote, prophets standing on, on television and on, on social media talking about this is what God showed me, and they got it wrong. And I'll tell you, if you're a cultural prophet, you voted culture. You prophesied culture instead of Christ. Because Jesus has always been known to blindside the devil, always. Because God is not about the politics. He's about his 
kingdom and its dominion. And God's son is going to be protected. So when you think about that, how is it that you heard when you sat around a table listening to so many prophets and you probably decided, well, I'm not getting that, but maybe I'm wrong. I used to do that when I first started out as a prophet. I used to think I was wrong and then found out I was the only one right and didn't know why. And so, but, but your prophetic end up being your toolbox, your spiritual uh, professional toolbox. It is your toolbox in Christ, and you've got to keep the tools strong. You've got to know that your tools aren't strong and, and all of those kinds of things. So I say that to you because when a prophet has decided to be cultural, to jump into the culture war, and a lot of prophets jumped into the culture war, and they didn't know what they were jumping into. As we get in on that subject, I have a guest who loves to do this. Now, many of you know her from Wednesday Warriors. Uh-huh. This is my Wednesday Warrior girl. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And my daughter. And I always say baby daughter. Now that she's older, she doesn't mind. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, this is my daughter. You know uh, Chief Prophet Paula Price and uh, Wednesday Warriors. Yes. yes. Yay. And she's growing. And, you know, I'm so excited with Prophet Tyler, Prophet Ashley, and Prophet Adia. My fruit, hey, they are they are multiplying the brand. Yes. The Paula Price brand of prophetic preparation and yes. prophetic readiness. Yes. yes. Well, we were talking, and, and Prophet Ashley, we don't want you to sit there silent because I know. Oh, hi. How are you? Hi, everybody. Thank you for having me on the show. I think it's exciting. We stumbled into a conversation today about prophets and culture and, and uh, just kind of how to combat a lot of things that are, are coming at us right now at 100 miles an hour in this culture. But I do want to say one thing, if I can, okay. because I, I think that the discussion that I've, uh, have, I've walked in on is, is so important, dealing with the spiritual purity, dealing with the question that the person asked. But I want to just uh, give a moment to see if we can interject this thought here you have a solution to that problem. If a person is receiving a prophecy from a, a professional out there, or maybe a, not a professional, a knockoff, or want to be, or whatever the case may be. Or novice. Or novice. Because some of these people are just untrained and unskilled, and we understand that too. They're new, a new, not even a full practitioner. They might be in the residency program. Okay? <laughs> so if they're free, free or they're free. You pre-prop. know, pre-prop. We <laughs> got pre-med and pre-law. So got they might be, we got pre-prop, pre-prophetic. So if they're, if they're in the pre-prophetic program and you do receive a prophecy that you're unsure about, we as practitioners, we as the officers, uh, need to look out for the institution. That's why we have offices, right, to regulate the institution. So what Dr. Price has done to help, um, you know, alleviate that problem and facilitate the, the uh I would say the return of the dignity and credibility to the office is that you can reach out to another prophet for a second opinion. Yes. And so she is in the process through our education. Most of you guys know that our school is going to be starting up in September. I'm excited. I'm making my own personal plug because I'm truly, truly excited about <laughs> getting this off the ground. You know, Price Embassy University is yes. coming this fall. And it's coming because we need to address these issues of public safety and protecting the integrity of our position and, and the profession of the prophetic. Mm-hmm. So your solution, My solution to the problem is that you're going to help prophets set up agencies, us three being the first uh, fruits of mm-hmm. that, Prophet Adia, Prophet Ashley. Uh, if you've ever been to DrAshley.com, you'll see it. 
Um, and, and the prophet did does it for the young people because young people are so millennials and, and, and below are so susceptible to culture right now. So you're setting up these agencies and means. Uh huh. You're going to head on. I won't. I won't. I just want you to speak to the fact that this speech right here, you can describe that later. Mm-hmm. But I want you to speak into the fact that it's okay That's for right. a person like mm-hmm. this woman or if you yourself are on the scope today and uh, have experienced getting a word that you don't understand, that you don't know, mm-hmm. and you're, you're confused about, it's okay to get a second professional opinion. I you would it. do so with an attorney. You would do so with a doctor. And so Dr. Price, PPM Global Resources, and other things that she's got on the mm-hmm. book like this, it's setting up these places where we can have this professional consortium mm-hmm. so that you're not just locked into the person that you heard or what happened to you at the altar or in the mm-hmm. parking lot. Yeah. Can I you like that also. Okay. <laughs> but, you know, and, and I'll tell you that, and she's right. My my persuasion has been that, and I ended it by saying this, God always sends two or three other messengers. Uh, or, and if he can't get messengers, he'll get messages. Other messengers, messengers or means or message of confirming a word. And, and so if it's the first time you're hearing it. Now, understand, this is not the same as the doctrine that says, all prophecy is confirmation. That's not true. Okay. Because every confirmation has to have an origin, an origination. So where's the origination? So right. that can't That's be. It. For something to be confirmed, there has to be an original. Right. So, you know, and we take a lot of stuff, but we, we operate the office. As a matter of fact, I know for a fact that God has embraced me over the past 35 years to restart, reset, and redefine the office for the 21st century, which is what she's talking about. My company, PPM Global Resources, has done something that's really phenomenal. And I say phenomenal because it took a while for me to accept that that's what it was, right, yes, daughter? Fine. Okay. And so <laughs> what, what we've done is we created a career path for prophets. Now, when I, I've been saying it for years, and a lot of prophets are like, I don't know why God won't use you because he's not doing the old thing. The former things are no more. And you need to stop expecting God to use you just in your little local church, just and, and for, in your little CNSA manifestation or your little CNSA prophecy. God's not doing that. God is bringing out the big guns. He's going into big mode. We're going into his triple A team because he needs an elite team and an elite force of prophets to handle the, what's been done. And that an elite doesn't come in your sleep. Hmm. I know we think it does, but I'm an elite. Prove it. Show me how. So, no, you don't. No, <laughs> no, it doesn't happen. And so our, our prophets are trained, and they are grilled, and, they, and and we're not looking to pull forward what what God once did. We are laying tracks for and establishing, well, the tracks are late. Establishing the institution of the prophetic going forward as a guardianship institution is meant to be, as a protector, as a defender, as, as not just as a revelation or revelator, and not just as a communicator. So we're going into the fullness of the office. The office is full. So we started that. Now my trial team, thanks trial team, my trial team well, are the ones who did it, and they have been with me for a long time. 18 years, some of them, but they have been trained to be the best. 
And they've been trained to understand it and to understand the prophetic and to discharge it. So we're online now, drpaulaaprice.com. You can click on there. That has it's everywhere. But my company is called PPM Global Resources, and we have advisor profits. And I am impressed because God wants us to understand how this works in the, within the context of his eternal institution and not just our temporal congregation. So the prophetic never, ever was meant to be a congrega- congregational uh, implement. It was always meant to take care of the Lord Jesus Christ because prophets speak by the Lord. Mm-hmm. Call us if you have a problem. Call or, or go online and say, I want a prophetic advisement. You get these all the time. I was just at a weekend conference, and they said so-and-so and so-and-so, and I need to know if this is God or if it isn't God. And call us to get that second opinion or third. It is all right. And to one woman said last night, which I, I think was is common, right. where, you know, she said, well, you know, you're not supposed to question, and you're not, no, you don't question God, but you need to question the messenger. Right. I need to question the integrity of the messenger. I may not question the prescription that you gave me, but I question the practitioner that's prescribing it. And not only do I question the practitioner, but the government questions the practitioner, which is why they put them through all of these training and all of these paces, because you have got to know that this person has had adequate training and experience to make it people. i got to hit something. Boom. You, you, but you just made it too. You were getting anointed with cloth. But I want to say this, people, you are you are reacting to these prophets as if they are high level specialists and high level practitioners. You are going to a novice prophet and who's saying, "I think God is so and so," or a prophesier who says, "I think God is this or that," and you don't know their track record. Now, just because they got it right this time, they can get it wrong 10 more times because everybody can have a fluke. Well, the training turns your fluke into a profession. It turns your fluke into expertise. That's all right, that's right. And see, that's what it is. You're running on these people who have these on-again, off-again flukes and nobody to tell you whether they're fluking or not. And so you go out there, and one woman, you know, she talked about um, getting married. We've had people who got married on the word of some woman prophet. Can you imagine somebody saying, this doctor ran up to me and told me that I need to do this, this, and that, and then they go and do it, and it, and it goes out poorly. No, they're not going to do it. They're going to tell you, you need to call my office, you need to meet my office, you need to make an appointment, et cetera, or you need to see your own physician. And they're not allowed to give medical advice outside of their actual office place where they work. They cannot give it out to you in a restaurant. They can't give it to you off on the cuff. And that's why if you are talking to a doctor, they'll say, this is my opinion, mm-hmm. my professional opinion. Not my they, professional not, not their prescription. They're not prescribing anything to you. And they do say, come and see me. We need to run tests. We'll need to do further investigation. But they don't do it outside of their offices. Well, and think about it. I've been on the air four years. Four. Yep. I actually just had a celebration. And, and I have done away with the, the mold of you cannot ask questions. I'm going to ask questions because I want to confirm myself. See, I don't just want to confirm you, but sometimes I ask those questions to make sure that I'm in the vein that God's in, not just hearing noise. I don't just operate out of white prophetic noise. Or prophetic white noise, you know, just oh, I'll just and put it together. I don't assemble prophecies like that. 
That's not what I do. And so I will ask questions like a professional would. I will ask you questions because I also want to make you think. I want to make you think about it because there are elements to people's testimonies and stories that they forget all of us to get a piece of it. And we need somebody that's going to help us bring it back online. So I want to say to you, again, you do not have to take somebody's prophecy as if it's the end-all, do-all, be-all. I'm saying this in my seat of authority as God's chief apostle. I'm telling you, you have a right to interrogate and to investigate. And if they, can't, they, they cannot present themselves in a credible manner or give you something to verify their credibility, then God is giving you permission to keep checking until you hear from him again. And when you say word to the wise, to the prophets, would also be to not feel like you're under pressure to have to have an immediate response to everything in every moment. It takes a while. But you think about da- Daniel's situation. We always skip over that aspect of the story, but he told Nebuchadnezzar, give me three days, man. Mm-hmm. I need did. to go and pray and seek and investigate and, and, like you said, go pull together the arsenal of tools of his craft so that he can come back with a professional and expertise, uh, mm-hmm. expert answer, rather, and, and have some expertise and not just go off the cuff in the moment. Isn't, wouldn't that be a word to the wise to them as prophets? Because a lot of times we feel like well, we aren't sure. See, we aren't safe. Right, and not necessarily in a profession. That's, That's true. it. See, so they're they're wrong. Wrong. Versus profession is something that does need to be distinguished mm-hmm. in there. But I think you also said something else that is a great tip for us as practitioners, and that is, uh, when we are jumping into situations where someone needs a prophetic word or counsel, advice, or et cetera, even if somebody bum rushes you in the vestibule line, because this has happened to you before, mm-hmm. well, you'll say, uh-uh, call my office and set up an appointment. Yes, it's okay to do that. And that's one thing about us having these practices is that you don't have to feel the pressure. But what's important about that, wouldn't you say, is that sometimes you need to investigate the hero. Because you might just be, because you said last time how people push you in prophecy, they ask you to break it. And so you as a practitioner will jump out there, jeopardize your reputation and all of that, and the hearer is not necessarily always coming from a pure place. And because the prophetic is still being shunned, we're not helping that case by (laughs) us jumping out there and falling prey to these traps, these professional or novice traps of just prophesying off the cuff in the moment. So we're not helping our own reputation. But wouldn't you say, but because, of still the learning curve in the body of Christ, a lot of the hearers don't even know what they're receiving or how to even deal with the words that they're being given because the education level's been poor all the way around. We're well, poorly practicing it, you know. <laughs> but it's not even just that. It's also the, the, the world because the world is trained by psychics oh, well. and fortune tellers. So they want, to, they want to address you and approach you as if you're a psychic or you're a fortune teller that is so good. or that you're a clairvoyant. That is so, so you've got good. the world pushing you based on the demonic model and the, and the humanist model of spiritual uh, communication, and then you have the church pushing you based on the unenlightened and uneducated model. So yes. we're, like, uh, we're like in this, the median yes. and the highway. And so I personally, first of all, I don't, you're not going to push me into prophecy. I don't want to. And because I, I feel like it's my practice, I can do what I want to do, Amen. and I don't want to do that. And if God says you don't need it or that you can wait, then you can wait. There are times that I've stood in front of people and said, I know you want me to say this, 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 and this, but God says you're not ready to hear that, and that if he releases it, you're going to react poorly to that word, and he's going to have to correct you or judge you. There are times that people, talking about people, mm-hmm. just the hero setting you up, there are times that they want to see if you said what the last 15 prophets said, okay? Amen. There are times they want to do that. Amen. There are times that they want to see.
see if you're a real prophet or they want, they got people came they brought their whole prayer group or their whole uh, assault group to prove to them to them that the public that you are not real. So they'll do that. And so and when they do that, I tell like I tell everybody. I'm going deep. I'm going to go right on back to your childhood. I'm going to go back to your closet. I'm going to go back to your little boyfriend. I'm going to go back to the little cheat affair you had. If you decide to do that, I'm going deep. Because God covers me like that because I live in his faith, I live in his grace, and I live in his glory. So she's right. There are times that you that God will tell you not to prophesy to somebody, and you'll go ahead on and push through because you're a professional or because you're, um, you know, you're in public, and you'll push through. But God was trying to protect you. Uh-uh, don't answer that. I've had him say, don't answer that. Mm-hmm. Or one time, even you talked about it, she was telling me, you know, during her training, that I was going to give so-and-so a word, and God said, we have issues. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not talking to him. Now, if you work for a, 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 a human employer, you would clearly be okay with that. Mm-hmm. But because God is who he is and you're dealing with the Holy Spirit, you're like, well, no, because of God, I serve. Well, God's a loving God. He didn't say I didn't love him. He said I got issues. And there are times that God doesn't want to answer people at the time you're there. Or he may not want to answer them through you. Mm-hmm. There, are, I have known God that to not want to answer people through an official and only want to answer them through a gift. Because the gifter has no enforcement power, nothing moving on that word other than God's literal force of agents that will not let it fall to the ground unfulfilled. Sometimes the gifter is just about announcing. Sometimes the gifter is just about uh, informing. And so he will tell me, I don't want you to speak on this. Mm. There are times he'll say, I don't want you to pray. Because when I pray, stuff happens, and I can't be smiling at what he's doing. We are a team. God and I collaborate. So there are many areas, and I, I mean, this turned into, you know, something we didn't plan. But we, I want you to understand, if you are real, if you deal with a real professional prophet, they're not in a hurry. A professional prophet will tell you they're not in a hurry. You get called into some high office or some high official, and they want you to give a word. You can do just what Daniel did. Wait a minute. Hold on. I need to go seek God. I didn't know we were going this direction, but I need to seek God. If you need to seek God, then seek him. It's better to seek God and know you're right than to just for God and find out you were wrong. Nothing is worse than having to be a prophet who must recant a prophecy. That is something that it takes a long time for you to live down, yes. especially when you are seated in, in high venues. That is when you want to, because you need to protect your own credibility. You need to protect your own respect and your own uh, reputation. And a lot of times, it's so it's because we have been driven and told, it's your ministry gift and anybody can prophesy and anybody, people, anybody cannot prophesy. We can all prophesy, meaning God can speak through us, but we can't just develop, just stand up and say, this is God and it's not. That's prophet lying. Mm. You cannot. If you, if you don't know that you heard from God, be silent. You look better giving four accurate words a year mm-hmm. than giving 1,500 hit or miss words. Mm-hmm. It's important for us to know how to really manage it, but protect the office and protect your future and your credibility. Because sometimes we forget that. We forget that there is a credibility that we have to defend. I love this. You know, I really love dealing with this on this level. But I wanted us to talk just briefly um, as we move over. Oh, that was a great segue, actually. Yeah, I thought so. <laughs> did I, did I, am I going to go? No, you did good. I did good. You know, and Prophet Ashley, did you have any feedback?
piggyback on that because I know you deal with this a lot. Have you had moments where God restrained you prophetically? Yeah, sure. Especially um, when even you're ministering to somebody who is resisting the truth themselves mm-hmm. about their situation. That's right. And so I've had to walk many people through the prophecy mm-hmm. to even answer their questions because sometimes they're They'll say that's that's not God, that's not whatever, and genuinely they don't remember. Like you said, what God is okay. So let's go back. How did you get here? I tell Dr. Price every week. <laughs> I thank you for this call question. <laughs> I go back and say, so I know how to minister myself. So let's walk through this. Let's do whatever, and not just jump to what God is showing you or what He's saying to you, uh, because prophecy can be very therapeutic. Mm-hmm. It can be. And have to walk them through that point to the knowledge of the truth. So when God says what he says, it lands. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't land in the realm of, well, that can't be God because. Mm. Well, and prophecy is, is therapeutic, but it's also cathartic. It can be very cathartic because it can break the yoke on something that has been bound up in you for a long time that you have been, uh, you know, covering over and masking. And I think that's important that we do that. So anyway, what, what you just saw was us presenting just some aspects of the office and some considerations of the office and officer that typically gifters are not going to give a whole lot of attention to, first of all, because they're shut out of it, and then secondly, because it's not opened up in them. So, you know, because when God wants you to be, when you're moving into the office, God begins to open it up to you, and he opens up, you know, little pieces of this office to you so that you recognize that there are other things besides performance and besides your public appearance. But what were we talking about? We, now, we don't have a lot of time, so you know I'm not squeeze you. Uh, well, not me. I, I, I'm here to... Oh, to, right. It's me. Hey, it's me. Uh, right. <laughs> I'm, just saying, I'm here to, uh, because of our discussion, and I think that this is the perfect segue into what we were talking about, because uh, undisciplined prophets will be made poor guardians, yes. you know, to help guard people and, and from a lot of the infiltrations and the deceptions of darkness that do come through the, the realm and world of the spirit. Mm-hmm. We now know and understand that there are more than just, you know, uh, that one form of, of spiritual communication. Prophecy is just one of those forms. And there are a lot of them. We talked about dreams. We talk about vision. You know, we talk about even, you know, people don't different to see, but yeah, seeing trances. We don't talk about basic things like even, you know, proverbs and wisdoms and all of those <laughs> things that are also a part of divine communication. And as we were talking about earlier, uh, even arts and entertainment. A lot of people don't realize that music is a, is a form. Worship is still a form of divine communication. How many times do we hear and receive from God through those, those ways mm-hmm. uh, and through those mediums? And a lot of times people aren't necessarily thinking along that line when it comes to that, which is why we as prophets have to be more disciplined because there are all of these different prophetic mediums that are used to com- that God uses to communicate to his people or open his people up to a lot of things. Oh. And that leads us right to where we were, how much our people, the gates have been opened to the souls of, uh, you know, to really, uh, literally, uh, what I'm looking for, trample over the souls of the body of Christ right now because the leaders themselves don't realize how much they are being deceived and manipulated by these different forms of prophetic communication, spiritual communications, and mediums that have taken over our Particularly art. Particularly the, what, the art and entertainment. Art. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, my daughter, uh, when, when she was wrapping up high school, 
Well, I'm going to just give the fast story, and then she can do it on her Wednesday Warriors when she has her own time. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> but um, my daughter, from the age of two, exhibited artistic talent. Now, by the time she got to four, she would literally go down in the basement. She would set up a stage. She would make little costumes out of paper and cloth and whatever. She'd dress up the dog. The dog was always the star of the yes, show. Yes. But she'd always do plays. She loved writing plays. At 16, she wrote her first one, did it at the little playhouse in town. Um, the actually, my first one was actually uh, middle school. Middle school, that's right, the first one. Yeah, and so, yeah, whatever. But so she, this is this is one in her. So it's very difficult for me to get saved still with the Holy Ghost and tell her that she is wrong. Uh, and that's why I went this direction. It was very difficult for me to evidence all of this ability and all of this natural raw talent and just say she's wrong. And so we, you know, she went to. Uh, School, music school, and what is it? The drama school, whatever it is. Anyway, University uni- uh, well, no, as a kid. Oh, yeah, the community school. Com- community school for, you know, developing artists. So she did. She went. And, um, and, and because we couldn't we couldn't ignore it. I mean, she did a, a, a monologue on Antigone, and I was like, right, hold on. And, okay? Yeah. And, so, um, and so I'm saying this to say it was very hard. So I thought God about it, and I do address it in my dictionary. I thought God about it, and God told him, like everything else, everything else, the arts began with him. Now, here's why the arts began with God. Can I say it? Oh, come on, so y'all can get off your kids back and just start getting them sanctified. So he said the arts began with him because the moment men fell, now this is not the only reason. This is the bottom line reason. But it's not the only one. The moment humanity fell, they could no longer discern God. So God had to start moving through mediums. And he started, he had to start communicating through mediums. And so mediums were acting it out, dramatizations, you know, verbalizations, and on and on we go. Well, if that's going back to the beginning of time uh, of when God, you know, they're out of Eden and now this post-Eden community is growing up, then we have to recognize that the arts go back that far, and I'm sure they go back to God as well as in his world, because, well, that's who he is. Nothing is a mistake in God. I know we think that, uh, that you know, God didn't plan on having the king, but Jesus was in David all the way back. So my point today is that that is why it's so powerful. Here's the problem. So she went to school, and she, you know, went to the University of Arts, and then she transferred to Oral Roberts University, where she met Prophet Ashley and a couple of other people who were in her program. And so when she became, when God started dealing with her prophetically, I had to reconcile that. And so did she. I don't think it was that easy for you either. But she had to reconcile that I'm in this medium, I'm in this industry that, you know, most of Christendom hate, and yet God won't let me go. So where am I? You know, where am I in this? So the first statement I want to make to you today that you will never forget, kings let nothing get out of their control. So the king must control the darkness and the light, the good and the evil, the, and he must have representations in both realms so that there's always a counterbalance. You know, you cannot be a leader and you decide that we're going to let this go and let that go, which is what church leaders did. They let God, that part of God's dominion go, and they let it fall to darkness, and darkness took it over and perverted it and to what we have today. Now, I know God is making some differences. He's making changes. He's altering this. He's remedying. That's a better word. He is actually remedying the situation. But you need to know that it, it cannot be based on the worldview 
of today's artistic world or to this artistic end. It cannot be Satan's worldview. It cannot be the humanist worldview. It has to be what God is looking for, which is redemptive. Now, redemptive doesn't just mean let's just, you know, let's do three, three, little, uh, three acts something and then have a sentence prayer. Sometimes an artistic dramatization is not going to save anybody because not everybody wants Jesus. And it may end with the villain going to hell. It might. Hallelujah. It may end with Mama so-and-so sleeping with Deacon what and what. But those are real issues. And we need to, but people need to hear God's mind on all of it and God's actions and his solutions on all of it. Because sometimes we want to go and tell this, this lollipop, aren't we all in heaven story, and it isn't true. It isn't true. If God said the very elect, that tells you that the, almost, the, the nearly elect is in trouble. And so as we were talking, we were talking about the word art yes. and how we did it. So I'm going to give you uh, how much I got, daughter. Oh, yeah, we could just flow. I mean, um, flow. yeah, I was going to say flow on it, but it came because we were talking about uh, the uh, Wednesday Warrior post that talked about charm mm -hmm. and uh, how uh, the world works very hard to charm us out of our salvation because we're talking about the con man's gospel and how con artists work people over. And so in doing so, uh, the uh, example, one of the examples that came up by one of our members in the Warrior Nation was arts and entertainment. How, uh, because charm means admiration. How you end up being charmed or, or, or uh, feeling charmed by someone is that you admire them. And it's a soft form of magic and witchcraft, by definition. It's a soft form of bewitching somebody. Because this is why we have the show called Bewitched and Charmed, both of them. Mm -hmm. We have, you know, the teenage witch, bewitched, charmed, everything you can name to deal with the real root of what people try to do to seduce and mesmerize you. And one of the doorways uh, into charm is through admiration, which creates a place in your affection for what someone's doing. And so what we typically do in those situations and circumstances as believers, how we end up being charmed by entertainment right out of our faith and belief system is that we'll say, well, Oh, yeah, I love Prince. I mean, because he's a good artist. I mean, we all know his life is messed world, up. Yeah. Okay, his life is messed up. He may not support my belief systems or my faith, but when he died, we had, uh, my, and Michael Jackson, we had all of these believers talking about how amazing that they did nothing for Jesus Christ. They don't have one soul that we know of to their credit that got somebody into the kingdom. We're not even sure what kingdom they landed in. But, however, their iconic presence, our admiration for their our kings, mm -hmm. okay, prince, one was a prince and the other was a king, mm -hmm. okay? And so their admiration, <laughs> our admiration was at an all-time high, which buys their admiration buys its way into our affection and gets us to compromise our belief systems in the smallest ways because all of the standards that safeguard us in Jesus Christ become vulnerable because we admire the talent, we admire the craft, we admire the ability. So that causes us to overlook the danger of what they're really presenting to us. What they were actually singing about was to inseminate our soul. So their talent was the drawing card so that what their, the message of their music could inseminate us and buy its way into our affections and make us vulnerable. And compromise. And compromise. So I was sharing this with Dr. Price, and she talked to us about, yes, because that all started because Christians think that they can separate things by worldview, meaning I can love Prince. I can love my suggestions, I can listen to their music, be completely mesmerized, admire their craft, and not share their world view. And from there, but 
human existence is survival. The fundamental of all human existence is survival that triggers self-preservation. Using this worldview thing that we've all been seduced by, because that was a charm, okay? And so using this, okay, of this worldview and that we can separate people's craft and people's uh, beliefs and values from their vices. And that cannot happen because ultimately people will always fight to protect their status, to protect their presence, to protect their position, okay. to protect their job. That's number one. Number two, and we, 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 you know, we use this term, my daughter and I, a lot, but the zygotes of an era determine what their worldview is going to be. So we have been in a very demonic, witchcraft-laced, occultic, wizardry, sorcery-laced environment, climate. And so everything... That, 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 that we have today is to achieve a particular end, which is to darken society, to doom society, right. and to literally, um, you know, I, we always say um, evangelize, but I want to say damn evangelize humanity because we want to doom them and damn them to hell. So that's why you have witchcraft. You, you cannot, I'm, I'm telling you right now, I don't know who you are. You practicing white witch thinking you're all right. In God's world, we don't have no witch of any color. We don't have white, red, purple, green, or blue. Because the ultimate end of witchcraft is deception and is manipulation and is going against a person's basic human will. And it's to manipulate their will or charm, which is deceit through magic. So all of that has risen because Christianity decided to come out of the arts. Christianity decided we're not going to have um, holy arts. We're going to have unholy arts because that, that void was, had to be filled with something. You know, God said something to me. I'm about to really shock the church. But God said something to me that, because well, I've never done that before. I was about to say, uh, <laughs> this is the first time, you guys. <laughs> you know, when, when I first got to Tulsa in, uh, in the late 90s, mm-hmm. that, you know, it was at that time they were fighting for the casinos and not to bring the, the gambling in here and all of that. So I'm praying. And I had a dream, and I had a dream that it came in and it landed in a particular place in the spirit realm. I was, and I went to plan, and I was warring, and all of that. And I said, God, I prayed. These people prayed. He said, but you know what? Because, see, people don't think your leadership and your ministry matters. He said, I sent a lot of money through my kingdom in this city. He said, and they did not build for my good. He said, should I let a city die because my sons and my daughters mishandle their clothes? He said, because there were not jobs created. There were not. So here we got this casino. They don't got apartments. They got this. They got that. They got all of this going on because they're, they're making full proof of their ministry. However, all we wanted to do was to, was to preach the gospel and save souls and have our big churches and have our television ministry and to send all of our other efforts overseas. And where did that happen? We vacated. Here I'm telling you people, we vacated Jesus. the spheres of humanity that keeps society going. You know, and I, you know, God said to me, y'all had one hospital and couldn't keep that. I don't know what to tell you. One. Now, we got, we got all of these Catholic hospitals, Methodist hospitals, Presbyterian, Baptist, you name it, Pentecostal. Well, we don't have Pentecostal. Episcopalian, we might have one or two. I don't know. But for, for the most part, you, you hard pressed to do that. Home, housing and all of those kinds of things. And because, because cash does not make you a ruler. Mm. Real property makes you a realm. 
and we have got to go back and re and revisit some of these things. And so, like the arts, we, the Christianity pulled in and became very what I call monastic, like a monastery, very monastic in our area. We'll stay among ourselves. We'll be on our little compound. All the Christians went on this little spiritual compound, and so we had this little compound where we just all stay together. Yes, some did, and then praise Him. Okay. And so, my point is, when God said, "Go ye into all the world for a reason." And one of the reasons he said that is because the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. We have preachers talk about, well, that didn't mean violent. I don't know. I looked it up 55 different ways. Guess what it came up as? Violent. And take it by force. We were so happy that God made us feel good because, you know, the Holy Ghost makes you feel good. And that's all we wanted. Meanwhile, the people who understand how strongholds work didn't buy into that. We bought into the dissolution of God's stronghold. They bought in the in the restoration of theirs. Well, wow. What's so powerful about that is that because we abdicated those seats of authority, the enemy, is, it, it became the enemy's number one platform mm-hmm. for charming us out of our salvation for your, like you said, your doom evangelism, okay? <laughs> so it, it, it literally created that platform because, you know why? Artistic, as we looked up and discovered that the arts and entertainment, That's one of the, the root definitions of this word, which was like, oh, she said the root definition of the word art comes from the word artifice. Mm-hmm. And when you go and look up the etymology of it, it means to, to make something skillfully, okay, craft, uh, craftily, mm-hmm. uh, and even downright cunningly. Mm-hmm. When you're considered to and be and, right, and, and when you're considered to be artful, mm-hmm. okay, or have to be artistic, you're also considered not only to be uh, uh, talented and all of that, but you're considered to be crafty, cunning, and deceitful. That when they say, oh, he has a fascinating art, that means that he has the ability to deceive, he mm-hmm. has the ability to charm people mm-hmm. and to send them into those that that place. And when you think about it, the Bible talks about an actor being considered a hypocrite. When mm-hmm. you look up the definition of, of, of actor, it is hypocrite because the whole idea is that they're pretending and using their pretense to deceive you into coming into another message, another world, another reality, and, and on and on. And so I think that that's why it's the highest choice of medium by the enemy to try to create that entree, if you will, of seduction to bring us into his worldview, his reality mm-hmm. or alternate reality, mm-hmm. counterfeit reality that he's created. Yeah, and, and, and of course that's how we end up with the death culture. Because he's dead. That's bottom line. He's dead. God killed him. The end. He's dead. He's like, well, I mean, people love zombies, but Satan's the first zombie. Exactly. He's first. He, he really is the first zombie. He's walking dead. All right. God slaughtered him, killed him, took his power, took his life, and that's what it that, and left him subsist subsist on death. And so we can talk about that in another time. But I want to ask you, Prophet Ashley, what are your thoughts about this in terms of the art? Well, uh, I think that the art you can tell how impacting it is in general because you can hear something from years ago and it takes you right back there. Yep. Immediately. Song, everything. The responsibility of the artist is tremendous because it's not just about what you're doing right now, but it's also about what you want to take people back to later. Mm -hmm. Which is why as we've migrated off of our godly foundation, 
Christian media has migrated right off with it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's kind of like chicken or the egg. Which one went first? Was it some of the things when we watch? Uh, it's, it's actually kind of sad mm-hmm. that a lot of saints don't watch Christian television. <laughs> and you know why? Because they don't want to be the solution. They want to be the seduced. Yeah. Powerful thing. Finish your thought, because you know. That was good. I was thinking about this thing. And so we have that responsibility, even as apostles and prophets, to begin to literally craft and shape, dramatize the truth about what is going on. Saints were so mad about these heathens making movies about the Bible, but where were we? Mm-hmm. Okay. They still can't get around a round mm-hmm. table mm-hmm. to agree on if we're going to say in the beginning. <laughs> or oh, the beginning began. Right. Which version we're going to pick from. Meanwhile, Satan and all his minions have poured millions upon millions, hundreds of millions of dollars into telling our story for it the way they want it to be told. Exactly. Forget the way they see it, the way they want it to be told. And remembered. And remembered. Because you you introduced an interesting concept, I would say, how they want it to be remembered. Because they know that that movie is a once and a, and a moment thing. But look at all of the reruns, et cetera, that we're having now on things. And one of the things that I would say about our, you know, um, our, like everything else, of course, it began in, in the Lord. It was perverted as we go down through history. And Christians don't want to know that history and all of that because you have bought into secular societies, educational bashing of Christianity, artistic bashing of everything is about bashing. And God said, but I, I challenge you today. I put out a call today by the Holy Ghost. He said, can I find a defender? Can I raise up defenders of my faith? Can I find true restorers of the breach? The breaches in Jesus Christ, not the breaches in the darkness of the world. Can God find defenders and restore us today? Are you willing to bite the bullet and give God something that he can use? People think that the war room was a phenomenon. It was a phenomenon. And you know what? It wasn't even a high dollar phenomenon. What it was, but it struck God's nerve. God said, well, somebody's going to talk about me in truth. Somebody's going to tell my story my way. We are privileged. We have a duty to the Almighty in our redemption as the redeemed of the Lord to tell his story his way. When I wrote Before the Garden, God told me, he said, I'm going to get a lot of movies and visions out of this. He said, because it's answering the holes and the blanks that's causing us to not know our faith. And I say to you today, God says, can I get a defender and can I get a real repairer of the breach? And will you be willing to take up my cause at all costs? It took me all these years to go through whatever, and I'm not just me. I'm using me as an example because I know me, but I'm sure God did that. I always believe in the Baal 7,000. God got 7,000 more somewhere. But I'm telling you this. It took all of these years suffering, lacking, doing without, because I believe that this man's story should be told and his inheritance should be protected. I believe that to the point of my whole life and everything in life. And it wasn't just me, for those of you who said, yeah, no, it was these women that you see here and those that are coming on board and those people who did not want to give it up to Jesus, he just took it and still didn't give them the purpose because he wants them to want to believe. Mm -hmm. And so God wants you to know, I'm looking for defenders of the faith and repairers of the breach. And if you're one of those, then God says, stand up for me and take on this charge, because you're not making it anyhow. 
I mean, you know, too many. It's, it's, it's unbelievable how many Christians aren't making it. But I've got another prophet out there in the realm of prophet world. Ding, 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 ding. I have somebody. Let's see. Okay. Uh, prophet again. <laughs> yes. This is lively. This is really good today. I love this. Um, we haven't talked about this particular subject on the Paul Price Show in a long time. So I think that today was really, really powerful. We have so much uh, going on media-wise in terms of entertainment. I love how you talked about, um, and Prophet Paula as well, talking about you know Christians blurring those lines um, and how it costs us. I think we don't think about that, and that's what I love about the points that you brought out today. I just, we're too casual. We are too leisurely. Um, we are too laissez-faire about how we are doing this thing called Christianity. We don't realize that we are costing God ground. Um, I think that that is really the power of this type of program uh, so that we can all be awakened to that. So I love that you talked about the fact that we vacated the spheres that keep society um, powerful because then we wonder why we turn around and all of a sudden we're a joke to people. Um, I think when, obviously when we blend our standards like that, if you blend your standards, you're going to become a joke. And um, because we have done that and, and we're so wishy-washy about everything, um, I, we've compromised ourselves and we've compromised the power we have. So I think this was powerful today. Well, and, you know, I love how you say you become a joke, and that's true. And you know why you become a joke? Because the people who take your place laugh at you for letting them win, laugh at you for giving it up, laugh at you for, you know, and they want to ridicule you for making such an imprudent, unwise decision. I think they're powerful. Prophet Ashley, you've got some notes up there. Can we hear them? Oh, I was taking some of the notes that you were talking about. Oh, okay. Did you have some of our folks, too? Yes. Someone said earlier, you have just rescued me. Hmm. Thank this you. In the beginning, uh, oh, wow, such info, this teaching is really helping. Get them off television. Come on, like Come on here. Somebody said, wowzers, when you were talking about someone pushing you in the proxy line, you're going to go deep into their life and pull it up. <laughs> and uh, let me see, triple slap when you were talking about friends. Mm-hmm. Drop kick the desk, Dr. Price. <laughs> I like the drop kick. Mm-hmm. And uh, you are cutting asunder the cores of the enemy. Wow. Powerful. So what are your closing remarks on today? Because you had a lot to say earlier, so are you done? Or do you have some closing commentary? Well, I think this is the beginning of a conversation, of a dialogue, because um, it's so involved. And there's so much confusion in gray area, not from God, but just in what we have come to be taught is God's perspective, mm. which is why we can have people mourning the death of friends like the Lord's brother died mm-hmm. or something, or like Jesus himself. I mean, these people hardly said some of them two words on Resurrection Sunday. Mm. Maybe a nice little quote, not days and days and weeks and weeks and putting up the picture and their profile and I have to look purple and I mourn. And I mean, just, we, it's scary how we really do put other gods before ours. Mm-hmm. I'm powerful. Now. It's scary. It's subtle. And because it's cultural mm-hmm. and the crowd is doing it and there's affirmation from other Christians, you don't rely on doing it. Mm-hmm. But you are. You are putting in, in uh, all the idols in the leadership on America. You have those saying what they're doing and tuning in, watching, cheering, voting, because it's culture. That's not real. I mean, you know, God is talking about having a totem pole 
having, a, you know, a Buddha statue itself in my house, not. Me in love with a fallen well, no, artist. Well, you have digital statues. I mean, you just carry it in your phone. Mm-hmm. You play it over the airwaves. You don't have to go to a temple mm-hmm. and worship these gods anymore. You download it for 99 cents a track. Mm-hmm. Your local <laughs> worship, wherever you go, whenever you feel, whenever you feel that sorrow, you have mm-hmm. to pay homage to that god and hit that button and do whatever we do and buy the merchandise. Mm-hmm. It hasn't changed. The delivery system has changed. It's, but the yeah. <laughs> The requirements have not changed. The compulsions have not changed to still give your all to these others. And um, so those are some of my other thoughts. But I do want to do this, though, because I have, because I can't. Okay. okay. You know what she's going to do, right? Lean in. Apply. She's got a plot. <laughs> she's got a plot. Tra- you know, I told her she can have some. Very good. <laughs> Yay. Yay. She's so excited. She is. And the crowd goes wild. <laughs> okay, that was worthy. I love it. It really was. But you know, uh, the thing that I I, I feel we got we gotten away from is people's of understanding of idolatry. You know, people understand other gods. What they don't understand is other Christ, and they don't understand the rivals of Jesus Christ because they don't recognize that. You know, under the Old Testament, he was manifested as Yahweh. Under the new one, he's Yeshua. And he's still God, you know. And before Yahweh, he was the Lord Almighty and God Almighty. He's going down the line. And so it is very interesting how people are so idolatry conditioned. The whole world has conditioned you to have, to not believe that there is a one true God and that the one true God is the high and holy maker, the maker of all things. You don't want to believe that. And you don't believe that because people have you looking at religion on earth. That's why we're in relics. That's why we got chip nose things that we celebrating. We got things that dust is tearing up, bird pooping on. And God's like, I'm none of that. None of that's going to happen to me. And so we have you believing that because in order for you to believe in God's adversary, you have to believe that God has no adversary and that if all he has is competition, and everybody knows they're healthy. So we've got a lot of work to do, folks, a lot of work to do if we're going to do it right. But that work will always be done by God's true apostles and prophets. Now, the other, it's not going to happen with the others because the foundation of those revelations, come on, somebody, boom, on the foundation of apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. The revelations were given to apostles and prophets. So if that's why pastors can't tell you, you know, and there's some of them are very good, and then a lot of apostolic prophetic pastors. So let me just make those caveat. But they pretty much will, will bring anybody in their church if they haven't been trained or they are not people who want to believe in Scripture. But, I mean, so your, if your pastor is moving away from Scripture, don't worry about it. He's going to move away from Scripture, and pretty soon he's going to move in their cult because you can't avoid spirituality in this world. It just isn't going to happen. Well, Periscope! I got to leave you. Make sure you hit that one for us to talk. I want to hear from you. We can ask questions. You can have a commentary on the uh, discussion today, our extra training. And so we can do that, but make sure you hit that one so that you can do so. We're migrating over to Blog Talk Radio for the audio portion of our show. Thank you so much for joining me today. Prophet Ashley, thank you for your input as usual, and thank you. Wednesday Warriors, <laughs> my daughter, 
Chief Prophet Tyler Price. Okay, we'll have some announcements, and we'll be right back. All right, guys, you have been listening this morning to the Paul Price Show. We're on every Thursday morning from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Central Standard Time on blogtalkradio.com slash Paula Price Show. Again, you can find us online at blogtalkradio.com slash Paula Price Show. We encourage you, when you go to the website, to RSS feed so that you never miss an episode. When you RSS feed on blogtalkradio.com slash Paula Price Show, you'll receive an email every time the Paula Price Show is about to go live. So don't forget to do that. Do that, and you can also write write your feedback and give us a review on blogtalkradio.com slash Paula Price Show as well. All right. If you are an iTunes subscriber, you can listen to the Paula Price Show anywhere by signing up to subscribe to the show via the podcast app. So all my iTunes users out there, pull up your podcast app, type in the Paula Price Show, and subscribe, 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 so that you can take the Paula Price Show on the go. You'll have access to all the archived episodes so that if you miss the broadcast live, you can make it part of your routine to go back and listen later. So again, big shout out to our iTunes uh, listeners or iTunes family, you can subscribe to the Paula Price Show via iTunes. All right, coming up next month, it's almost here. It's just a few short weeks away. June 21st through the 24th is the Tulsa Prophetic Training Institute. It's going to be right here in South Tulsa. It kicks off at 3 p.m. on the 21st of June. You can actually view the schedule online at drpaulaaprice.com. Again, you can view the schedule online at drp.com. Now the classes and all their descriptions are now online. So if you've already registered and you were wanting to know what those classes are, or if you haven't registered yet and you want to do a quick overview on what some of the evening classes are going to be, you can check us out online at drpaulaaprice.com. You'll click events and you'll see the, in the drop down all the information about the classes this year. Those are going to be all the evening breakout classes. For all the information about the schedule, just click events and you'll see the entire overview. If you are going to be joining us next month for the Tulsa Prophetic Training Institute, you need to book your room if you haven't already, guys. The space is filling up. So you've got to do that. All the hotel information is going to be online at drpaulaaprice.com. Don't forget to Set your clock. Join us tonight for Prophetic Ed at 8 o'clock p.m. Dr. Price is going to be back on Periscope. This is for all the prophets out there uh, who are looking for just that education, that training. This is a quick hour of empowerment for our prophets out there. So that's tonight at 8 o'clock p.m. All you need to do is download the Periscope app if you'd like to, to watch the broadcast that happened on Thursday evening. So download Periscope and you'll be able to do that. You can join our mailing list online at drpaulaaprice.com. You can also follow Dr. Price on Facebook and Twitter. A big shout out to all of our Twitter family. We love you guys. Thank you for following uh, facebook.com slash drpaulaprice. Click like on her page there and also on uh, twitter.com slash drpaulaprice and her handle on Twitter for all of my Twitter users. It is at drpaulaprice. You can follow the Paula Price Show. We're going to be doing some special offers as we get closer to 
to the Institute. So you can also follow the Paula Price Show on Twitter by just typing in the Paula Price Show and you'll catch us there. All right, last but certainly not least, we are giving away a bonus download this month. If you take a survey that we have about higher ed, uh, prophetic, and apostolic degrees. So you can catch that survey online at drpaulaaprice.com. Just click Take Survey. And once you take the survey, you'll see inside the survey where you can copy the link for your free download. We really appreciate your time. It's a minute or less. The survey is really quick, and you'll receive the free download warning for your prophetic destiny. Now, listen, we want to let you know, if you took a survey with us before and you did not receive your free download, please, please, please take a moment to email us at admin at ppmglobalresources.com, admin at ppmglobalresources.com. We want to make sure that you get your download for your time. So if you took our previous survey and you did not get your download, please, please take a moment to email us at admin at ppmglobalresources.com so we can get your download out to you. All right, guys, I'm going to turn it back over to Prophet Ashley so we can get to your calls in this next hour. Thank you, Prophet Adia. And that's why continue hitting that number one to get in the lineup. Today is a great day for prayer and prophecy from Dr. Price. We'll be right back. Have you ever wondered, why do I hear from God? Is what happens when I pray normal? Why do I think so differently? Is my relationship with God unusual? How do I explain my experiences with God? Does anyone else experience these things? I have so many talents, but... How do I find my purpose? I know I'm called to ministry, but where do I begin? These daily questions lead to one solution. Introducing the Standardized Ministry Assessments Series. What was on God's mind when he made you? Find out how our assessments can help you uncover your greatest mystery, you. Our Standardized Ministry Assessments consist of 800 ministry-specific questions, 114 ministry-based categories, 50 ministry classifications, a comprehensive gift analysis, five-fold office identifiers, automatic response indicators, targeted benchmark scoring, automated result interpretations, custom readiness path options, call-specific recommendations, personal ministry advisement. Is this basically a personality test? No. Your results are custom designed and not based on the traditional data used to determine your personality type or IQ. Instead, your results come from you, how you think, and what you believe, not predetermined categories into which you must loosely fit. Dr. Paula Price's nearly 25 years of research and experience see to that. How is this different from a spiritual gift test? Our assessments are not a test and assess more than just your spiritual gift, what you are good at and may be interested in doing for your church. We help you define your ministry calling, how ready you are to do it full-time, the type of training you need to do it well, and the best place for you to prosper whether in or out of the church. They don't just give you a number. They give you a life plan. We offer three levels of assessments. The Ministry Assessment Questionnaire, the Prophetic Aptitude Questionnaire, the Apostolic Diagnostic. So what's your ministry IQ? Discover yours today. www.drpaulaprice.com or call 877-649-PPM. 
MG. This is Liz Montgomery um, commenting on Dr. Paula Price's book, Before the Garden, God's Eternal Continuum. When I read these writings, it felt like a college semester of education on the eternal. Being constantly reminded of the physical world around us and the linear nature of time, embedding myself in this writing not only refreshed my perspective, but it educated me on the semantics of how and where my Father, God, exists. It gives new revelation to what we think it just might be like to experience the space within the realm of timelessness that the Father and His Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit reside. It also reminded me intellectually and with great depth how our God seeks this mysterious yet vast relationship with each one of us. How we build trust with Him through our faith and unwavering knowing of Him as best we can outside the continuum, while still the mirror is clouded. But again, it is folding yourself into this writing that opens your world to realities of another dimension. Dr. Price has so many years of experience working through the intricacies of living out her calling as a prophet of this ongoing, same yesterday, today, and forever God of ours, that reading this description and instruction she's given us is absolutely eye-opening. Thank you, Dr. Price, for writing this book. It is a truly multidimensional door to grasping the complexities of our Creator. Hey guys, this is Miss Adia from Saturday Morning Kids. Every Saturday, we post a brand new episode full of God's power, full of God's word, just for kids ages 8 through 12. Subscribe to us on YouTube under Kingdom 5 Student Ministries. That's Kingdom 5 Student Ministries only on YouTube. Kids, I'm talking to you. We're diving into purpose, destiny, and God's plan for our lives. So I'll see you every Saturday for Saturday Morning Kids. Hi, my name is Chief Prophet Tala Price, and I want to invite you to join me every Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. Central Standard Time for a riveting and exciting discussion of my favorite book by my favorite author. Yes, Before the Garden, God's Eternal Continuum, written by the one and only Dr. Paula Price. Join us on our weekly journey of studying the history of eternity as it's been revealed through Scripture. Learn your God, learn your world, learn yourself, and even your Savior before time began. We're going to discuss revelationary answers to age-old questions like, how did we get here? Why does our planet exist? Does it have a creator? What was on his mind concerning us? And why did he bring Christ and Christianity into our world? Topics like these and more we'll be discussing every Wednesday at 7.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. You can join us on Facebook Live or by Periscope. For more information, visit www.tallaprice.com. That's www.tallaprice.com.
All right, and we are back for the second portion of the Paula Price Show. Dr. Price, you and Chief Prophet took us there. Wherever there is, we just Wherever like there to is. we've been there. <laughs> <laughs> Did you appreciate going there? I always appreciate going there because somehow there seems to, you know, always give us more direction on here. <laughs> I love it. I love it. You know what I do love also, though, Ashley, is I love the fact that God is speaking to this generation. We are at least getting an opportunity to um, to protect ourselves. To protect ourselves and, and, you know, maybe recover some things while we yet have time. Yes, while we yet have time. Well, I tell you, I think that our discussion of arts and artistic has only just begun. I like how you ended our last segment saying, you know, I think this is just starting. You know, I don't think this is anywhere by by any stretch of imagination toward the end. I'd love to hear our callers' thoughts on it. Um, so if you have a thought on this, we definitely want to take your prayers and, and pray and give you counsel and direction and uh, even prophecy. But if you have a thought on today's, uh, the first half of the show, I'd love to hear it, and I'm sure that the rest of our listeners would love to hear it as well. Yes, we will. Okay. <laughs> I'm agreeing. I'm glad you are. <laughs> okay, that's right. Press that one to give us your feedback, how it rocked your world or maybe settled your world, as so many people are telling us today. Dr. Price, are you ready for your first caller? I am, and I definitely want to hear how it settled some people's world. That ought to be very good uh, conversation. So, number one, I'm set. Okay. First, we have Ebony from Virginia. And Ebony's calling in today for a prayer for her family, her uh, herself, husband, and children. And um, I think she's saying here that their children are fighting and for their marriage. So, Ebony, welcome to the Paula Price Show. Hello. Hello, Dr. Price. How are you, Ebony? I'm glad you called in today. How's it going in Virginia? It's going well in Virginia. Thank the Lord. <laughs> Great. Now, tell me, um, you said you, well, first of all, did you have a comment on the first half of the show? Um, Not so much. <clears throat> okay. Not so much on so- the well, then let's talk about your family. It seems like that's a real heavy thing on your heart right now. Yes, ma'am, it is. Um, basically, I've been married for about three years, and I'm not sure if this marriage is the will of God for my life. I've been following your um, teachings for about two weeks now, and it has brought a lot of enlightenment to things that I felt like I was already sensing in my spirit because I felt like I followed a trail that probably wasn't God in my life to derail my destiny. And um, I uprooted my life from North Carolina to move where my husband was, and he is a minister. And basically, I don't feel like I'm hearing clearly from the Lord. I feel like my prayer life is just (laughs) devoured. Basically, I have to press to pray, and I'm just in a time of, like, confusion. And I feel like it's like a fuzziness, like, around my head or in my head to where I'm just kind of confused in some situations. 
and my children, they're basically like physically fighting. I have a 23-year-old daughter and a 19-year-old daughter, and they're just physically fighting each other, and that's not them. And I've been praying about it, and they don't want to do it, but it seems like they can't stop. You have a lot going on. I want to go back to, uh, Ebony, I want to go back to when you said you followed a trail. Bring us a little bit up to date on the, what you meant by that statement. Um, 2011 in September, I, I was born again. And after that, I felt like, oh, now I feel like I should get married because I've never been married before. And I felt like that was something that I should do, desiring something that I didn't have because relationships were always common to me, but I've never had a relationship in marriage. So I wanted to do it the right way because I wanted companionship and I just wanted to be loved and have some stability with my children and in my home. And so I think desiring that, I think the enemy put somebody in my trail that it wasn't the right time for me to get married. Okay. Now, okay, I'm, I'm I'm following you. This is very good conversation, so I'm going to ask you a few more questions if you're okay with that um, yes. to get to the right root of this. Now, you said that um, you got saved and you were born again in 2011, and so from that moment you felt like you should get married. Were you in a relationship with someone then? In a relationship at that time. Okay. Was it, before, had you just... I'm sorry, but before my husband, after I got, after I had gotten born again, um, the church that I was in, my pastor told me that the enemy was going to try to send the sheep in, in wolf clothing to like derail me, and I really didn't understand what he was saying because I wasn't biblically found to understand what he was saying, and I didn't ask him. I just, you know, like, okay, well, a wolf in sheep's clothing, what does that mean? But in the back of my head, I'm still looking for my husband. And so uh, he did send somebody in my life, and it was a married man, and I didn't have a relationship with him. But when I started reading the Bible and understanding who I, that my body was a temple of the Holy Ghost because I always had relationships after marriage, I started to see myself as woe. That's not who I am anymore. So I started asking the Lord to help me to honor my body and to clean my body up so I could present it to him. And I just wanted to be clean and not a relationship. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I applaud you of that. I I really do applaud you for making that decision. But I'm going to dig in a little bit more because God wants this. Now, I don't – we're going to walk through this to see where the Lord takes us, but I can honestly tell you today is your day of deliverance and for hearing because this, I, I dreamed this call, so I know this is God. So I'm going to walk through this because God has prepared this time for you to get understanding and clarity. So I'm going to ask you the next question is, uh, talk to me about your, your childhood. What set you on the road to promiscuity? What made you think you had to constantly have a man's touch? Um, my mom and my dad, um, they were separated when I was about eight or ten months old, and there was some infidelity in both my, on both my mom's part and my dad's part, adultery. And I think that may have 
started something in me. Because one day I was in the shower um, after I had gotten born again, and I asked the Lord, like, why do I keep doing this? I don't want to do it, but it felt like I can't stop. And he said that that root was there before you were even born. Okay. But I just, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna question that a little bit later. But now you say your mom and dad were separated when you were eight to ten months old. Is that right? Yes. Or was eight? To, okay. So you really don't know their life as a married couple unless you're telling me about what you heard. Is that what you're telling me? That's correct. Okay, so they both they both um, explained their separation as being their uh, the response to infidelity. They both yes. broke their marriage marriage vows. Okay, so I'm there, and and you were how old when you first began to know this? When they, I mean, who told you, your mom or your dad? Um, both of them. They blamed it on each other. I think I was about maybe in my late teens or early twenties when I started to ask questions. But I would hear when I was younger my mom saying things about my dad, but I didn't really focus on what she was saying unless I just absorbed it internally and just blocked it out. Yeah, and that's highly possible, definitely. So now let's go back. You're you're in your late teens, but when did you have your first sexual encounter? I think I was 13 or 14 years old. Okay, so you're 13 to 14, and... You had your first sexual encounter. Now, I know that this is a little bit unusual, but I'm going to walk this because God wants you to understand some things. Um, was that a boyfriend, a friendly, a friend? Or what, how did that happen? Well, it happened with a guy. Well, let me back up before my first sexual encounter. When I was actually, I think, maybe 10 or 11, we used to play little games like, uh, uh, this may sound a little weird, but it was called hunching, where you hide and go seek and lay on top of somebody, and but your clothes are up. Okay. And that happened so you, when I was younger. And you said you were how old then, 10? I think maybe 10, maybe 10 or 11. But then backing up, now coming back to my memory again, my boy cousin, I think I was, 11 or 12, we tried to have sexual intercourse. Okay. So 11 to 12. And and the reason I'm asking you is because no call is just for one person. So I hope those of you who are listening are not having issues about the, uh, you know, the honesty of this, but I need to find out because I knew by what she told me that there was an awakening at a particular time. Now, you, did, was your mom, who did you live with, your mom or your dad? I lived with my mom until I was 13, and I came to live with my father. Okay. Now, obviously, they both had relationships, a lot of them, in the time you were living with them. Is that true? Correct. That's correct. Okay. And in the time living with my mother, I was bounced back to different places. What kind of places? Like my auntie, her sister. And then um, with friends, wherever I could find a place to sleep. Okay. So your mother kind of bounced you and dropped you off anywhere for her to pursue a particular kind of life. Is that right? That's correct. So if she was in a relationship and the boyfriend didn't want her to have a kid, you were out? That's correct. Okay. 
So because I'm trying, what I'm doing right now is just really questioning those formative years because, you know, sexual promiscuity is not a single event. It doesn't just happen. Sexual promiscuity is a condition. It's a state of existence that creates a condition, a condition that, that forms those perspectives of how you feel. So you clearly, if what I'm concluding is true, then you clearly have an opportunity to observe your mother accidentally or not engaged in various acts. And those acts to you shape what you thought male-female relationships should be like. So you saw them or your, or your cousin saw them and decided that we're going to do the same thing. And so we're talking about a long, deep route where you define all uh, male-female relationships in terms of sexuality and nothing else. That's correct. All right. So now, meanwhile, while you're doing this, of course, this, I mean, one thing I do know, when you have promiscuous parents and they bring in a lot of different things, a lot of different people in their world, those things do leave a covenant. In the people, there's a covenant created. And that covenant was created through the lineage of both your mom and your dad. This was a root in them, but you, that root, was passed on, obviously, to their fruit. So I want to go through that because I want you to think differently about how you got there. We're going to follow this to, for you to catch it. Now, so you met, and now you meet your, you, we don't even, you know, however many relationships you had, but the fascination with sex began in your childhood. So you had fascination, and you went from fascination to practice, and then from pra or exploration, and then from exploration to practice, and then from practice to addiction. All right, so we're dealing with you right now from that. This is a wonderful thing for you. This is your damn deliverance, girl. You ought to be excited. Hallelujah. Now, moving, on. <laughs> <laughs> moving on. Now I want to get to this. So this, 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 this husband. Now, so now you want out of this marriage because you feel like what? Tell me what is wrong with this marriage. Because I wrote notes, and I'm not seeing where the husband did anything. Yeah, I don't think he did. I don't know for sure that he's ever done anything. I believe he is a man of God, and he has a sincere heart to please God and do what's right. And I didn't believe that he believed that this is God, but he was a divorced man, and he was broken from that marriage, and he wanted what was normal to him to be married. So he wanted what was normal, and you wanted a prevention. You married him so that you could stop being promiscuous. Yes. Okay. So you see where we are here. So now how did – who said you should be married? Because you said he's a minister. So was that a prophesied marriage, or was it a pastor arranged the marriage? How did – because something church and religion and Christianity is in there somewhere. So what kind of ma marriage was that? How did you all do that? Well, I met him through a Christian dating website. I was sitting on my couch one night, and <laughs> – I said, oh, let me get on this website. And I never believed in, you know, like online dating because I thought it was spooky and creepy. And so I did it, and I got on the website, and I met him. And at the time, I had left my church because I felt like I wasn't supposed to be at that church, and I left my church. And 
on my title, I just put, you know, I'm a Christian woman, a mother of two kids, and he found like my, um, he found my pro my profile, and he, you know, sent me a message and said, hey, um, why don't you have a church? Because I, you know, we communicated through an email, and I said, well, I just felt like I needed something more, and I just felt like I just needed a different church. And he said, well, it's not wise. I think you need to, you know, go back to that church because you need to have you know, a covering, and if you're born again, you just, in so many words, you need to be in church. And so we started communicating that way, but we left it as that. I didn't hear from him, and I was praying, like, Lord, don't let me be deceived. I don't want, you know, to run into the wrong guy, but I do want to be married because the purpose was I just wanted to keep myself, and I didn't want to do it the wrong way. And he, yes, ma'am. He contacted you again is what you're telling me. Yes, he did, through email. And then um, we didn't exchange phone numbers. And one day um, I prayed and I said, okay, God, if this is for me, um, you know, have him to call me because I'm a woman. I don't want to reach out and, you know, sound desperate and ask him for his phone number. And so it was a 30-day free trial with the website, and I wasn't going to pay to renew it. And it was the last day. And he emailed me and said, hey, is it okay if I call you sometime? And so to me, I felt like, oh, that must have been a sign. And we started dating. We started dating long distance for about seven months. And then he told me that a prophet told him that he was going to get married and his marriage was going to come on really quick with a woman with two children. And so I guess because I fitted that prototype, um, he figured out that was it. So, but you know, I knew a prophet was in there somewhere. You know, I knew that, right? I kept saying, "There's a prophet in here somewhere," because this sounds like a prophesied marriage. So, yeah. I'm gonna take uh, my hey guys, my gift works. I'm telling you, I knew it was a prophet <laughs> somewhere, and this was a prophesied marriage. So, mm. so based on that, then you all got married. But you said you didn't feel like you should get married at the time, or were you ready to get married? by the time he was ready to propose? Well, it happened so quick, basically almost like the, because he was asking me, hey, let's get married. And I said, no, I can't get married yet because I honestly prayed about it because he said, hey, I need you to fast for like three days and pray about this and make sure this is the will of God. And so he said he was going to do the same thing, but he wasn't hearing anything. And when he wasn't hearing anything, he called me and he said, hey, I'm not hearing anything from God. so." I don't want to, you know, get emotionally attached with you. So, you know, I don't think it's a good idea that we continue to see each other. Okay. By that, I'm sorry, but by that time, because he had already visited me, we ended up having sex. Well, you know, I'm not surprised about that either. But, you know, this is a wonderful call because it has all of the elements of why God has issues with modern dating and mating and marriage. I mean, this is classic. I couldn't have, I couldn't even hire somebody for this because you have been you were duped from every trap, and this setup goes all the way back to you being a little girl. And in that respect, you were right. You were very correct. So, so, so now you end up getting married because you have you've had sex. Is that right? Because I was emotionally attached, and I felt like, whoa, well, now I had sex with him, and I was trying to keep my body. So this is like the Lord says, if you have if you have sex with somebody, you're already joint to them, so I may as well get married. 
Well, sweetheart, if you use that definite, if you use that passage of scripture, you by the time you had sex with him, you were a bigamist. Well, because if that by by that rationale, which is actually the truth in God's mind, but I want to talk to you because God wants to set you free, and I don't believe Ebony that you are the only one who was on this call going through this. So I want to set you free. I'm gonna I'm gonna deal with this as much as I can, but I need you to when I'm done, pick up the phone. I want you to call and I want you to say, I need life advisement. I want a, advisement. Whatever that is, you're gonna need this because sweetheart, you, it's gonna take you thirteen years to walk this stuff of your childhood out of your soul. You know, we think the soul is just like, you know, like our kitchen floor. We'll just sweep it up, mop it up, throw a little something on, a little shine on it, and it's clean. That's not so. What, what you are literally, you know, as, as the way your parents reared you, and I say your parents because this is not just about you. This has to do with how you were made. When David said, I was shaped in iniquity and in sin that my mother conceived me, that's what he's talking about. He's talking about the parents being programmed to a lifestyle of belief, a state of existence that they pass on to their children, and, and, they, and that predisposition to that being passed on in the genetic tree. And that's pretty much where we are with you right now. So you start, you are literally, literally programmed for sexual exploration and sexual gratification. So it doesn't take much. Right now, your issue with your husband has, has a lot less to do with whether or not you all have marital issues and uh, infinitely more to do with it's just time for you to have another man. And you don't realize mm. that. It's time for you to feel another man. That's all mm. this is. This is not about anything else. This is your This is that conditioning, that, that, that soul programming that's kicking up. And I bet you if you sat down and thought about it, <clears throat> excuse me, thought about it, you would probably have um, recognized that this happens to you in, in a regular cycles. And there's a pattern of cycles where this, this restlessness will hit you, and you've got to change the man. And you've got to change the man because you need a different feeling. And because you've had that many. And we don't even want to talk about how many deposits were left in you. I definitely want you to have a, some training, but you, you, you know, I recommend the 3D for you, um, but you have a long way to go because you've got a lot of men spirits in your body, in your soul. We, we, we think about it like, you know, well, we just, Jesus says the only thing you take in yourself, in your body. So that means that you're taking in somebody else's bodily life and impulses, whatever that is, whatever keeps them, them alive, whatever keeps the semen going or whatever, you're taking that in your body. You have a lot of them in there. Well, we, and God says that there is no way that he has provided for it to just be dumped out like your food or whatever. He said it doesn't come out through your, your natural biological functions. It has to be absorbed, etc. So you have got to recognize that there is a spiritual purging and a soul purging that needed to happen long before that. And the fact that you thought the answer to your salvation was getting married, legitimizing your sexual appetite, already says you were set up for failure. Now, I will tell you right now, 
It's unfortunate that you got that way. I am so not a fan of Christian dating services, and this is why. Because Christian dating services only care about hooking you up and getting you married. They don't care about the, the state of your soul, the state of your being. They don't care about what you're taking into that marriage, and they can't care. They just want to hit their numbers, and that's it. You brought a lot of baggage into that marriage, and so did he. You both brought it, and you used a sexual fall as a, as a reason to legitimize your union. So we, you, the first thing I'm going to tell you right now is that you can't even think about divorce. You can't think about whether or not you married the wrong man because you actually married him for the wrong reason. Mm-hmm. I know it's scary, isn't it, Ebony? But this is your day, my <laughs> beloved. Amen. This is your day. I'm telling Amen. you this because you, you have, if, 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 we, if we had, if you had gotten saved and then gone into counseling, if you've been able to say, you know what, I have a sexual addiction and have been able to go into counseling for your sexual addiction, which is a, a, which started out as your own proclivity from birth and, and all of those kinds of, and, and your habits, et cetera, if you had done that, you would have not been looking for a husband. You would have been trying to clean your soul of all of that history and then convert your soul to holiness. See, we think we just need to clean our souls. No, you got to convert your soul to holiness or your backslide. Mm-hmm. And that's what mm-hmm. happened to you. Until you until you literally clean your soul from all of that, all of this, all of all that mama did, all daddy did, all the little cousins and all of those things, and all of the spiritual and soul and and, and literally biological deposits in your being. That's a lot of sperm, baby. I know we like to say it doesn't matter, but that's a lot of sperm for your soul to assimilate for your body to have to do something with. Mm. That's a lot of sperm. And that's a lot of, and in that sperm is the entire makeup of this person, whoever they are. So we don't talk to you all like that. We just tell you, yeah, well, you just take a little bath, take a little shower, and eventually it dissolves. Nothing in life goes away. Nothing. That's why when we get to heaven, God's going to tell us about the piece of dandruff that fell on the floor that we didn't do something about. Nothing mm. in life goes away. Just like they have that, we, what do they say on the web? Nothing's ever lost. Well, where would you think they began that? Everything you bring into existence lingers. It stores, it hides, it mutates, it morphs, everything. So every encounter became part of your psychological makeup your view, your perspective, not to mention your physical appetite. So, sweetheart, I want you on a plan. I want you to get on 3D because you need somebody to help you purge this, but not just purge your soul, convert it to Christ. Jesus said to Peter, when you are converted, the Bible says that Christians must be converted because you believe. I mean, you believed in the dating thing. You believed in the dating and mating thing. You believed in the, in the Christian website and all of that stuff. I can't even get over the Christian dating services. I, there's no way in the world I'm ever going to endorse that. I'm never doing it. I don't care how many marriages came out of it. I'm telling you, I, I can't do it. And I have not met, and I've counseled a lot of people from them, and all of them have the same problem. When they visit, they fall. Everyone that I've ever counseled, now that's not everyone that's out there because I wouldn't say that, but everyone I've ever counseled, when they had that visitation, because you've already had sex, you've talked about sex over the phone, you've talked about it in your email, you've questioned about it and this and that, and rightfully so. You don't know what you're, you know, you're over the phone. You know what I mean? You're over the email. You don't know what you're going to get. 
but every one of them. You you talking about have being being tricked into marrying marrying transgenders? Come on, you people are not even going to tell you the truth. Going to make you marry something against your beliefs and against your value because they believe it enough to to set up an illusion of it. So that I'm mm-hmm. not I'm not a fan of that. You you this guy divorced. He never got took time to get clean from his divorce, and here he goes bringing his sorrows to you so you can be the the uh, the comforter for him. This is how this is a lot that you were set up from a little girl. From a little girl, uh-huh. you were set up to be right here. But isn't it wonderful to know there is a Jesus? Amen. There Amen. is a Jesus, the Messiah, and He said, "I've come to set the captive free, and God will set you free." But I will tell you this: I want to deal with your daughters. You know, it could well be that your daughters don't like um, him going on, but I would venture to say you need to talk to your daughters because something happened between them. Sisters are very weird, and, you know, siblings have stuff going on that they don't even tell each other about. And they'll sit there and tell their parents one thing, and meanwhile something else is going on. When you have kids, there's always the secret life of the kids. Somebody should write a book called The Secret Life of Your Kid's Home Life because your siblings, the secret life of siblings, it's never going to be the truth. And it, with your kids, there's some untruth in there. One did something to the other and violated the, the, the literal uh, fiber of their relationship, and that has to be revealed. That's something else that has to happen, and it just seems to coincide with this. But your marriage has not been under the guardianship of the Holy Ghost like that because, hey, he wasn't in it. You went to, you know, you made the dating service the Holy Ghost, and the Holy Ghost is not going to honor that. It's just it's, God tolerates a lot of things, and we think that because God tolerates it, because he doesn't snap out on immediate judgment, we think that he's happy with it. God's silence is not always golden. Sometimes it's downright just postponement. So you're having to deal with this. God does not, I'm going to tell you right now, he does not want you to divorce this man. I can go on record to say that he does not, because it's not going to be helpful to you. You'll do the same thing with another man. God wants to set you free. Mm-hmm. Okay, do you understand? Yeah. He wants to set yeah. you free and him. So you all are going to need marital counseling. We have a, a a wonderful advisor who can help you with marital counseling. Um, but you you're going to have to deal with that sexual disformity. You literally your sexual apparatus, your sexual self has been deformed by what happened to you as a kid. And when you have a deformity, you got to do something about it. Um, um, Hebrews 12 talks about that. Out of joint, out of joint, you have been formed sexually for the deviation that's been taking you over. You've been formed for promiscuity. And most of these kids are. You start something, a kid a, a kid doesn't even know what they're doing. You give a kid a drug at 12, what are you going to do? They're going to love the drug. And sex and t- sexual gratification is a type of drug, probably one of the most powerful ones since it shows up in everything. So I'm going to pray for you. But when I hang up, I want you to go and sk- – Ebony, are you listening? Yes. Yes. I want you to go. And I want you to sign up for a life advisement. You are you're 13 years out from all of that deposit in your soul, all of that psychological influence and, and influx in your being. You are 13 years out, but you are ready to be free. Amen. Thank because you, if you divorce this man, you will do it again. I promise you that's how powerful this is. Now, my prayer is going to deliver you from the spiritual stronghold in this moment. I'm kind of like emergency room. We're going to give you a shot for the flu, you know. We're going to give you some mm-hmm. antibiotics, 
and we're going to get you back on the track of mending, but you need a long-term program. Amen. And I want you to have it because you really are at this point in time, I hear you sitting in your room saying, God, I'm so tired of it. I'm just tired, you know. And sometimes it's when you're at that point where you're tired enough to let it go that God steps in. If you're tired enough to suffer your deliverance, oh, baby, I'm saying something to you today. If you're tired enough to suffer through your deliverance, then you're ready to be free. Amen. Father God, I thank you. I thank you with all my heart and all my soul for this magnificent woman of yours, this wonderful daughter of yours, God. I thank you that you are bringing her to a place where she can finally be free. I'm lifting up Ebony to you, God, and I'm asking that you begin to step up, Holy Spirit, in her soul, in her psyche, in her home, in her family, in her world, and begin to disband the darkness, Lord, to break her free from these bonds of captivity. I come against the the legal assignment of promiscuity on your life. I rise up in my authority and supersede that authorization, shut you down, and I dispel you from her body. I remand you, pit of hell, loose her, ah, loose her, and let her go free. You may no longer taunt and tempt her. We put a moratorium on your influence and your effect in her life, and we shut it down from hallelujah as she goes to seek deliverance. Now, God, I thank you for dislodging this thing. I thank you, Father, God for really breaking her soul and reshaping it, resetting it into that of a convert to Jesus Christ, God. I thank you. I shut off the appetites. I shut off the dreams. I shut off the sexual dissatisfaction. I shut off that roaming hunger and that wandering spirit. I thank you, Lord. I'm asking that you begin to do a work even in her memory, even in her recall, God, even in her, her nostalgia, begin to do it. And, Lord, I break the tie, the formative ties that have manipulated her since she was a child. And God, I thank you for doing it. Meanwhile, I speak into this marriage and I say, divorce, I cancel your assignment. This is a work order. You will not you will not complete in Jesus' name. We bind you together with the bonds that cannot be broken, which is the love of Almighty God. And, Lord, I thank you that you bring them through the process of making them one, purging them, starting with making them admit how they deceived each other for reasons of their own doing, but that they would forgive each other for the deception and begin to walk hand in hand into healing and deliverance and cleansing and ultimately into a whole and prosperous life, and I decree, I break every yoke of bondage on your life, and I decree it to, to commence and not to cease until every word that I've decreed and I've declared over you today has been fulfilled and is fully manifesting in your world. And hey, thank you, God. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. 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 Bless you, my beloved. Don't forget, I want you to get on a program. If you're serious about being free, we are serious about helping you get there. Amen. Thank you, Apostle. You're very welcome. God bless, and I will be hearing from you soon. Amen. God bless you, too. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Prophet Ashley, how much time do I have? Woo, not much time. I know you said it. Oh, you set a lot of folks free on that one. Did I set them free? You set them free. Two weeks running. 
you know, but let me tell you this. You know, the Bible says that God gave apostles the power to cure and not to to cure all diseases and to deliver them from all devils. That is real. And to the degree that we believe that, that's the extent to which it happens. And it happens because of our station in Christ and our representation of the will of the king. And so I would say to all of you today, this is part of what we do, soul cures. Jesus said he does cures, and he does, it's not just physical curing. Our last move emphasized physical cures, and that was great. We need it. Please don't stop. Amen. Keep it going, guys. Uh, thank you. But there is the, the, the curing of the soul that we need for people to convert to Jesus Christ. This whole world, this conditioning to dating and conditioning to, you know, machines together and all of that kind of crazy stuff. Those people don't care about your marriage lasting. They just care about it happening. And you need to understand that that's what it's about for them. The lasting piece is what they want because it's a good marketing, uh, a good marketing statement. But it is not their goal. They don't care about that. I promise you. And many of them could care less if you get married as long as you have some sort of happy liaison with someone. So this is on you. I am not a fan. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to say it until Jesus comes. I am not a fan of Christians' internet dating. I don't, now, there are a lot of false Christs out there because you know what a false Christian is going to tell you all of the falsehood is, is faith. And they're going to make you put your faith in their falsehood. They, they got tired of God's way, and they decide to pick up man's way and slap a label called Christian on it. People slap the label of Christianity on a lot of things. But in the end, the same God that saved your soul knows your mate, and he doesn't need you sampling and tasting and being tempted by everything else as you are on the hunt or on the prowl looking for a mate. If God doesn't know who your spouse is, guess what? He doesn't have one for you. But humans cannot tell you who God has, who God will join together in a way that humans cannot put asunder. Humans cannot tell you that. I'm sorry. Now, I don't think that, you know, I think that Christians, you know, if that's what you want to do, that's fine. But I'm telling you that God himself would not take something as precious to him as marriage and open it up to a recreational exploration. He wouldn't open it up to a pass-around pack. He would not open it up. I'm being as honest with you as I know how to be. He would not open it up to, for the enemy to tamper with and miss and match for his own advantages. He wouldn't do it. God just wouldn't do that. Now, I know some of you all say, well, you know, I mean, I just feel like if we can get a job offline and we can get a husband, now, uh-uh, let me tell you something, you can get a job and you can quit and leave. You don't have to have a divorce. But when you go and put yourself in another person's life and join yourself to another person's soul, that's a weighty decision. And that's not something that you should enter lightly. And if you decide that you want to do that, you still need to make sure you get marital counseling. And please don't ask me because I'm going to be the one to tell you that ain't God. So don't, don't ask me. All right? I'm going to be honest with you. That's not God. And unless he tells me something different, I'm pretty much not going to encourage it. And you need, I mean, we need people to maintain a standard. But I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, I'm already telling you, i got problems with half of these prophesied marriages. How much more a machine? But I just want to ask you, you know, I'm going to end on this subject, but I don't you wonder, what is it? What, to what advantage is it to Satan to so besmirch and besmirch marriage like this? 
to so manipulate and maneuver it. You all should ask that question. Why is it important for people to swap sexual partners indiscriminately no matter what? To whose advantage is it for you to be addicted to somebody sexually and then somebody else and somebody Who benefits from that? And what is the prize? And to whom goes the prize? You should ask yourself that. I know I am. How am I doing, Prophet? You're doing all right. It's, it's time to, to sign off. <laughs> All right. That is powerful. I was, powerful. I was rolling. Hey, I love you guys dearly. Make sure you pass this around and pass it around. Increase my blog talk listenership. And would you all like me on Facebook, please, and follow me on, on uh, Periscope and Twitter? Please do that. I need you to do that because that lets me know that we're, I'm growing. I won't know I'm growing if you won't keep inboxing me and then Facebook say you are not friends or you're, you know, you're not connected. I need us to bond. So do that for me. I need somebody to say, we're going to help you build your Facebook, Dr. Price. We're going to help you build your Twitter and your Periscope followers. I need you to do that because, hey, this is not just my my ministry, this is not just my assignment from the Lord. This is our joint collective task. Until tonight at 8 p.m., when we come together again for Prophetic Ed, have a great afternoon. Treat yourself to a nice lunch. And listen, don't forget to lift up the glory of God. God bless you. And bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to the Paula Price Show. Become a financial supporter today by visiting www.drpaulaaprice.com and click on Sow a Seed. Donate today.